0: This is Key Ideas, and I'm your host, Leela Viss. This podcast contemplates the rhythm of life as a piano teacher and music maker. Through illuminating interviews and transparent reflections, you'll feel validated, encouraged, and empowered. This is season three, episode number 48. For the past two years, I've approached each new season of this podcast adventure with a unique theme and have even composed a new theme song. This year is no different. The key theme or word is realignment. No, I'm not talking tires. And I hope you enjoy the new opening theme music. It's called Look Up. Before I continue, I want to acknowledge Tanara, a teaching tool that saved me during the pandemic and now has become a platform that I could not teach without. Head to the show notes for a free trial and a coupon code for 20% off. Last season, I suggested that we piano teachers replace a mindset of survival mode with one of revival. Most of us transported our studios online, which showed us that we can survive. And the fact that many of us dramatically succeeded with our virtual endeavors proved to us that we could revive our careers. This summer made me realize that there is a residual third stage after survival and revival and that stage is one of realignment. This word realignment came to me as I made plans for the summer 2022. During the summer of 2021, I stacked private lessons on top of another on Monday through Wednesday, crowded them back to back, just like I did during the lockdown, so that Thursday and Friday could be reserved for writing a book and recording some podcasts. Although I enjoyed my students and even taught some organ lessons, The first three days of the week were so packed that many tasks spilled over into my Thursdays and Fridays, which were supposed to remain free from teaching duties. I rarely had the time or bandwidth I was looking for. And so this summer, I made a pact with myself to replace my default habit of teaching private lessons and paired lessons combined with off-bench time and return to offering summer camps like I did BC, before COVID. Before COVID, most likely you felt that you were on top of your teaching game. A full studio with students thriving at the keys. In hours, COVID brought all of us down several notches and even to our knees. Our desperation turned to determination, and eventually we settled into satisfaction with what we could do behind a screen. Just when we got comfy with a controlled environment, restrictions were lifted, We were free to move about the cabin, about the country, without masks. When we had just gotten used to complying to all the rules, we were granted freedom that pushed us out of our conformity zone. Did you sense it too? It felt like someone nudged me out of a virtual nest, and I forgot how to fly. Unfortunately, the global lockdown was preceded by a family trauma that shook me to my core. I repackaged my teaching onto a screen coaxed by a mindset of survival. I did what I could to stay afloat, the bare minimum. I know I'm not alone in this mindset of survival. Many of you experienced permanent and ambiguous loss while enduring a pandemic. We did what we could, dealing with heartaches and uncertainty. Our conformity led to new habits to get us by. James Clear, Author of Atomic Habits was interviewed by Brene Brown on her podcast Unlocking Us. He said something that struck a chord Habits are a double edged sword. Habits can either build you up or cut you down. It's important that we understand them so that we become the architects of habits and not the victims of them. Over the past year, it seems that I've accumulated habits that served me well, but are now holding me back. It's time to revisit the habits that suited my virtual adventure and align them with habits with a system that suits a post-pandemic studio. As James Clear puts it, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. This summer, I shook myself out of a trance of a pandemic teaching system. I did so by looking back at what worked BC before COVID, and combined a fresh aspiration to add more margin in my life. One of the things I loved doing in the summer BC before COVID was to run summer camps. Holding summer camps means teaching multiple students and sometimes multiple levels at one time, and ultimately giving me the gift of more time. Because I turned back to my old ways and offered camps and more group lessons, I had to dig deep into my planning files. I took a complete inventory of my teaching toolbox and reinstated tools like bucket drums, cups, and boomwhackers. It felt like getting back on a bike after a bad fall. I was bumped and bruised and a little rusty, but feeling exhilarated to try again. In essence, these past few months, I've been re-examining the habits etched in stone after conforming to the whims of a global shutdown. A brand new car comes with the wheels aligned, but after time, it will require a realignment so that the tires perform properly and make them last longer. When mechanics realign car wheels, they adjust the angles of the tires, which affects how they make contact with the road. What are the signs that a car may need alignment? The tires may show uneven tread wear, the vehicle may pull to the left or right, The steering wheel is off center when driving straight and the steering wheel vibrates. Let's explore some parallels here. Has your teaching carved a path, a rut that keeps you mindlessly turning to the next page in the method book? Do you tend to steer to the left, teaching the same repertoire from year to year? Or do you swing a hard right and find too much repertoire and shut down from decision fatigue? Do you feel like you're limping along but lopsided steering one way yet going the other way? Is your creative bandwidth wearing thin? Do you struggle to push yourself out of these ruts so you can move forward and onward? Okay, one more. Do you need to be shaken out of your pandemic coma? This quote from James Clear gets at the heart of what I'm trying to say with all my mediocre metaphors. The quality of our lives depends on the quality of our habits. With the same habits, you'll end up with the same results. With better habits, anything is possible. I'm not sure how to name the past habits brought on by the pandemic, but they include idling in front of a computer and sharing a screen when I used to stand and move when teaching, avoiding clever teaching tools because they seemed too complicated to work on a screen, and making the best of things despite poor Wi-Fi. I wouldn't necessarily call these bad habits. They were forced upon me, upon all of us, by a devious micro monster. that gave us a successful system to power through a pandemic and make sustainable changes. And some teachers have skyrocketed because of the pivot they made during the pandemic. According to Clear, changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them for years. Perhaps you know teachers who were open to the possibilities and successfully launched a brand new approach to their studio after the pandemic. For example, Kay Lowry, a Texas piano teacher, saw the positives of continuing online after the lockdown forced her to change directions. She generated tech-savvy flipped classroom resources that are now sold at Leelavis.com and her system of habits she developed during the pandemic empowered her to move closer to family in Oklahoma and maintain her studio roster by teaching exclusively online. Have you heard or seen or met Anna Fagan? We met long ago at past national music teaching conferences, and I enjoy watching her adventures on social media. You have to check her out. After they sold their house, Anna and her husband permanently downsized, bought an RV, and now she teaches exclusively online and on the road. Her studio logo is absolutely adorable. I applaud teachers who have turned habits, some initiated by the COVID restrictions, into thriving online studios by realigning their hopes for the future with their current skill set unexpectedly gifted to them by a pandemic, they've carved out a unique career path that no one would have dared to imagine just a few years ago. I'll always continue to teach some online lessons as I adore running a hybrid studio, but I'm eager to bust out of my pandemic automatic pilot and realign my BC or before COVID habits, with my PC, or post-COVID, search for more margin in my schedule. Leave it to James Clear for giving some direction as I wrestled with the word realignment. In his conversation with Bernay, he says that instead of setting habits around goals, we should consider shelving the goals and develop identity-based habits. In other words, instead of thinking about the result or outcome of habits, ask yourself, what type of person or teacher you wish to become. At the beginning of this summer, I decided I wanted to become a teacher who worked smarter, not harder, who could manage a studio, a church job, a website, a podcast, and enjoy more margin, more space, more time. By replacing habits that worked well for me during the pandemic with fresh habits like holding summer camps and offering several group lessons in lieu of private lessons, I've come a tad closer to that identity like many people I admire who work smarter and not harder. As humans, we crave any tips that help us build good habits, but maybe our focus needs to shift. Perhaps we need to ask ourselves what habits we need to break this year because they drive us towards complacency, or reflect on what patterns in our lives dig a rut so deep that we veer only to the left or to the right. What systems need to be realigned to find a more straight and even path? Unfortunately, breaking up with habits is hard to do. It's because they become embedded in our brains. To be specific, they get trapped in our basal ganglia. This part of our brain works to help us develop habits so that they become automatic. According to Professor and at MIT, storing habits in this part of our brain frees up space in our brain and memory to take in all the other things we encounter on a daily basis. These automatic habits may include riding a bicycle, driving a car, or brushing your teeth, and I'll add turning to the next page in the same method book. This is the same region that can develop unwanted or unhealthy habits like eating disorders, anxiety, depression, and addictions. My guess is that this part of the brain is where we've stored our pandemic or perhaps our long-term teaching habits. We teach a certain way because that's how we've always done it. It's like we push the automatic pilot button to reserve fuel. So I've recounted stories of a few teachers and those of my own, but what about you? What do you wrestle with right now? Do you feel the nudge to break out of the barbed wire fence of COVID and branch out into the teacher, the identity you remember being BC before COVID? And if so, what habits do you want to keep and which ones need to be replaced or updated? Do you default to the automatic pilot button too often? What actions will it take to realign your aspirations with your skills? Again, here are wise words from James Clear. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. To help you get a clearer understanding of how to cast votes for the type of person you'd like to become and to build identity-based habits, here are some examples. First, back to my experience of the last two summers. It was obvious that I did not want to have another hectic summer schedule, and I craved more margin, more space to write and compose. But it would have been easier to keep with private lessons instead of playing calendar tag as I matched students' schedules. It would have been a breeze to plan private lessons, as group lesson plans require much more brain space. By breaking the chain, by responding differently to summer lessons, and pushing through the hard parts of organizing groups, I came closer to the identity I covet and was rewarded with two things. First, I got more margin in my schedule because of less teaching time. And second, thrilled parents as their kiddos absolutely adored the group setting. Another example, I attended Group Illuminated, a virtual conference devoted to group teaching held back in July. And because of it, I'm on fire to teach several groups coming up in the fall. One of the presenters and a rising star in the group teaching industry, Mindy Rawlinson, stated that she changed her mindset when she began teaching in groups. Instead of expecting students to practice, she expected that they would not practice and planned her lessons accordingly. For those who did practice, it was easy for her to assign extra work. By realigning her expectations to reality, she made things a lot easier on herself. And while we are on the subject of expectations, this quote by David Kessler sticks with me. Expectations are resentments under construction. I strongly believe that some teachers hold too many expectations of their students and their parents and end up resenting them. That will drive your business into the ditch. Remember, the goal is to serve and retain your customers. When you habitually set expectations that are impossible to reach, it can mean disappointment for you and your students down the road. Before I carry on, here's graphic designer and piano teacher Andrea West to tell us about one of her best-selling teaching tools at Leelavis.com.
1: Hi, Andrea West here, piano teacher and graphic designer. Are you starting any new students this fall? And when you introduce your keyboard geography, do you find it can take them a while to learn where the notes are? I do. And to make it fun and accessible for my students and to ensure they don't forget what they've learned when they leave the studio at the end of the lesson, I created color-coded animal note houses. And they come as two houses. There's a CDE and an FGAB. And all you need to do is print them. And I laminate mine to make them sturdy and durable. And then they stand up behind the keys on your piano or keyboard. I find that students love to match them up and put them in the correct spots, especially the little guys. I can easily direct them to play specific notes. And the best part is, you can print as many as you need and then send a few houses home with your student to use during their home practice. These are perfect for your Welcome to Piano binders for first-time students and can be purchased on Lila's website. Use coupon code piano, all one word, for a special discount, good until September 30th.
0: students adore those animal houses. And speaking of students, let's put ourselves in the shoes of our students who too have endured a pandemic. That already gives them extra credit. When they come back to lessons after a break, most likely they have pushed that automatic pilot button of no practice. Instead of retraining our students to develop practice habits, perhaps we need to empathize with them and realize that they might have to break a habit in order to instill a new one. Maybe they are used to watching a favorite TV show while they enjoy an after-school snack. No wonder why they don't want to practice. How can we expect them to sneak in a new habit into a routine that was just fine the way it was? According to Dave Stewart Jr., a popular writer on literacy, motivation, and the inner work of teaching, This is a crucial time for us teachers to do two specific things. The first is to celebrate the fact that they came back to our bench for another year and bubble over with enthusiasm for what we teach. Come on, we teach the best subject in the world. Let's get excited about it. And second, we must show a generosity of spirit and give our students whatever they need to make them successful. We must stop making assumptions that they know how to practice. We must teach them how. We can't assume they know how to learn effectively. We must teach them how. So instead of goal setting for the year or for the month, consider discussing with your students what kind of practicer they identify with. One who never has practiced before, one who plays, enjoys playing, but without intention, runs through favorite pieces, and calls it a day. One who practices, one who plays assigned pieces about three times and calls it a day. And one who makes progress, one who plays assigned pieces three times, aims to get the third time perfect, and if not, plays it three more times until it is perfect. Once they've identified with one of these types of practicers, it's time for us to recognize their identity realign our expectations and empower them to change to the next stage or the next identity. Returning to lessons after a break of any length means a big change in our students' lives. According to Adam Grant, host of the podcast called Work Life, there are three things required for change in the workplace that I've adjusted for a studio setting. First, to instigate a life change, Our students must grasp a vivid and positive picture of what it means to play piano and make music. This could be done by sharing videos of incredible music makers, like I include in my Get Inspired episodes. Second, change also requires a connection to what our students value. Perhaps the best way to learn what they value is to ask what kind of music they like and make sure they play music that sounds close to their preferences. And the last piece of advice Adam Grant gives when making changes, we must shrink the change. This ties in to the three practice identities that I mentioned before. For example, for some students, just getting them to at least play the piano for five days for two minutes is a win. It's a change in their schedule, but not a huge commitment. Once that habit is set in stone, then we can move them into the practice mode where we encourage them to plug in repetitions. They begin to see that repeating something helps them play things better. And once students are sold on repetition, then step them into the progress mode where they not only play a piece three times, but aim to play it with zero errors three times in a row. Shifting students' habits may be easier if you invite them to join in and observe the process they'll learn to be more self-aware of what practice mode they use from day to day. When you head to the show notes, there's a PDF called a practice rating chart that you can download and share with your students. It asks them to track their practice over four weeks. By the way, this would be an ideal chart to use prior to using my effective practice tracker. I'll include a link to that in the show notes too. On this practice rating chart, There are slots for five days each week, and each day the pianist records their practice mode. If they don't play the piano, they write in a zero. They write in one if they played, two if they practiced, and three if they made progress. It's important that you keep your judgment to yourself as they record their practice modes. If you begin to bash their efforts, they'll shut down the process. Instead, give them a vote of confidence and empower them to become self-aware and the instigator of stronger practice habits. Is there a guarantee that in one month, students will rise to the progress identity? Nope. Is there a guarantee that in one month, students will have established rockstar practice habits? Nope. In fact, when asked how long it takes to build a habit, James Clear says, forever, because if you stop doing it, it's no longer a habit. I guess that's good news for those of us stuck in undesirable habits. All we need to do is stop. Easier said than done. So back to the word realignment. Notice I didn't choose alignment. I selected realignment for a reason. It's defined as a change or restoration to a new and improved state. If this word resonates with you, let me know. I'm eager to hear what pandemic habits you are keeping, Which ones you're dumping, and which ones you're replacing with fresh habits to realign the state of your life and your studio. Don't forget to head to the show notes where there are links to the Brene Brown interview with James Clear on her podcast, Unlocking Us, and Adam Grant's Work Life Podcast episode that I mentioned. And remember to grab the practice rating chart and try it out with your students. I'd love to hear how it goes. I'm going to try it with my students for the first time this fall. I leave you with this quote from James Clear. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. I'm Leela Viss. See you in the trenches. And remember, I'm voting for you.